Welcome to For the Love of Books, a podcast by North Lancashire Libraries. Hi everyone, welcome back to the North Lancashire Libraries podcast for the love of books. My name is Chris Wilson, the e-services librarian, and today we've got a nice special episode for you featuring an interview with an author, Julie Hamill, who is the author of uh, the Life and Soul series, and her newest book is just out. It's called June, and it's the final chapter of the series. The other books in the series are called Frank and Jackie, and the books are all set in Airdrie, and they are in the late 80s, early 90s and they follow a set of characters Frank, Jackie and June funnily enough and they are a great read and they're definitely worth catching if you do get a chance but you can find out a little bit more about the books from Julie in our interview which is coming up now So thanks, Julie, for joining me on the podcast today. Um, it's very, we're very excited to have you here uh, just after the launch of your new book, June. Um, it must be very exciting for you to finally have that last chapter of the of the series out there. It is. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it's brilliant to. It's a great sense of accomplishment um, to to finish your trilogy. And a lot of the times, I didn't know where it was going to go or what was going to happen to who. So it was actually quite satisfying to find out where everybody netted out in the end. Yeah, so, so you even found out what the end was for the story. So, <laughs> yeah, <very> good. <laughs> but sometimes when you write like that and the character sort of takes over a bit and where you think that the character was going to go or what you had planned for the character, the character actually begins to take on a life of itself and you have to sort of follow that path to see where, yeah. they, where they end up because they know better than you do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and this the series of the, of the of the book. Um, this the book's part of, of course, is the Life and Soul series, and the first two books of that are Frank and Jackie, the two the, which are two of the characters in the book. Now, I, I thought Frank was quite a, a, a beautiful story in a way, and the character Frank, um, I imagine, is quite relatable um, to many. as quite a stereotypical older dad kind of character. Did you base him on anyone in particular that you, that you know, or that's part of your life, or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, excuse me, I'd be lying if I didn't say, you know, my own dad had a lot of influence um, in particularly in sort of phrases that that Frank says, kind of that mischievous element of of Frank. But I think, uh, broadly speaking, there is a North Lanarkshire um, man, a dad, who (laughs) typifies Frank and he is quiet, comforting, gentle, little bit selfish, little bit mischievous, and um, probably sees himself as actually quite an insignificant figure, kind of at the bottom of the pile, but in fact, to, to everyone else around him is deeply loved and deeply influential, and kind of almost, um, you you feel like, at times when I was writing the book, I felt like a little bit of a parent to mm-hmm. Frank, which I think with, you know, again, that North Lanarkshire dad, you sort of sometimes go, oh, my wee dad, you know, <laughs> and you kind of can't help but like him, even yeah. though he's, um, you know, he's immensely likeable. And sort of yeah. since the book came out, there's there's a lot of people who really love Frank and they really want to know how he's doing and um, if he's okay, you know, if he had a fried egg in the morning and that kind of thing. And sort of he, when I developed him, he kind of began to take over. I began to see him very, very clearly yeah. as a as a solitary man, 
and his, you know, I, I could see what he was wearing. I could see what he was watching on TV and the colour began to sort of build around him as a, as a bigger character. So it was about yeah. taking this, what would seem like a tiny seeded, um, fairly mundane life and bringing out the, the beauty in it for him. Yeah. I, th- I think you're totally right, though. I think there is something there. There's a character there that that's very kind of relatable, and and most people will identify with a little bit. Um, I I certainly kind of felt as if he you know, was a little bit. There's parts of him that that I recognise from my own dad, um, <laughs> and like the the there's a scene in in uh, Frank where he's building the cot and he's like throwing parts of the box about and things like that. Okay, so I I could I, I could kind of imagine my dad doing that a little bit myself and. And doing things like that whenever he's kind of like having one of those kind of like like you say kind of little kind of daft moments that they they have to kind of kind of bring a bit of humour to 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 life and things like that sort of stuff. But yeah, so I think he's a great character and and he's definitely someone in particular that that in the story that I think kind of stands out and folk will kind of definitely kind of connect with a little bit and things. When I when I did uh, read Frank uh, after reading it, I discovered that. The stories got had kind of interesting beginning to life, didn't it? It wasn't originally intended to be a book, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I had written it as a play, actually. It was a play that was called The End of the Bench, and Frank was based... Frank began life as um, a man that my mum told me about. She kind of complained about it. She made a passing comment one day about some some guy that only went to funerals because he was he wanted to eat the steak pie he wanted to get the free the, the free dinner and, and half the people that he went to the funerals of he didn't really he didn't even know <laughs> just attend to get the dinner after and I thought that, that was kind of interesting and then I thought well why as it's sort of springing from that sort of why would he do that maybe he's lonely maybe he's so then I kind of started to sort of create a kind of picture around him and then I put him into a scenario um, uh, called The End of the Bench, which is which was based on when when my children were very young, I used to wheel them around the park to get them to sleep, the local park. And one yeah. day I passed a bench which had four um, people on it, elderly people on it, a, a man who, um, who is Frank, um, uh, a woman, and then two other men. One of the men was deaf. Um, getting it in, not completely deaf, but deaf enough, yeah. you know, and it's sort of, sort of what did he say? I didn't hear. What did he say? And what's she saying? Um, and uh, the uh, and the other man was kind of silent, just quiet, just a quiet old man. And these kind of four yeah. characters, I kept walking past, and I kept seeing the things, list, kind of half listening to their conversation every time I walked past. And and one time I went past, they were like, "How long are they going to leave that carrier bag in that tree?" stuck in that tree it's been stuck in that tree for weeks how are they going to get it down nobody's going to get that down they're going to council is going to need to get a ladder get that carrier bag out that tree you know and and then it would be things like did you i saw a rabbit i saw a rabbit the other day i'm telling you it was the size of a horse and it had <laughs> a, a pigeon in its mouth and there was sort of exaggerated stuff the be silent man remained silent the, the the deaf guy was like what do you say what is, you saw what and the conversation was mainly going on between Frank and this um, other lady. And it was the most mundane stuff like, um, you know, for example, um, is that hole you've got coming in your shoe there, Bridget? This was Bridget. Mm. And she and she was like, yeah, it probably is. You know, they're really comfortable. And, and Frank's like, well, why don't you get a new pair of shoes? Like, why don't you? And she was like, because these are really comfortable. And he was like, I know, but you've got a hole in them. And she's like, look. 
if you don't like the hole, if it bothers you, don't look at it. And I was like, <laughs> that's just logic is, you know, you can't argue with that logic. And yet, no. so, so these tiny things, I think, are really quite Scottish in their humour. And, mm. I, I, and I can't explain it, and I don't know if it's because it's small town, really tiny observations that, that you know, have, are actually quite beautiful. And, and that's sort of what I write about. That's where I found my writing takes me that I call the beautiful mundane. And that in that sort of, you know, in that sort of working class, um, what are we talking about today? What are we doing today? You know, and, and Airdrie would be like, well, the big mm. event would be like, well, let's go up the street. We're going yeah. up the street. And that's really what it wouldn't be. We're going to Disneyland or we're going to, you know, it would be nothing huge. And it would be something quite, oh, I need to go up to the butchers or, you know, I, I said I would go up to Top Cross and, you know, and meet Annie and, you know, we go and get shoes or, you know, it'd be something really kind of small. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of that in this, this sensationalism of today gets lost. And I think a lot of it is really nice. Yeah, I, I think that's that kind of that's what makes the story quite relatable. I think as well to, to people, the, the readers, and probably particularly to people in North Lancashire as well, who really kind of would be able to kind of kind of see the landmarks and, and things like that sort of stuff that you that you mention and talk about in the books and stuff like that, and and the characters, like you say, that some of them are very kind of quite North Lancashire people, a few mm-hmm. in, in a sense, you know, and. And I think that's probably what one of the things that's that's a kind of great balance in the book is kind of kind of having that sort of, like you say, beautiful mundane kind of yeah. life, but actually making it very interesting and, and, and making it kind of relatable to the people, the, the reader who will, will kind of really get that and, and understand that. The, the, the time periods in the book I thought were really interesting. Um, with the first books kind of set around about 1985, I believe, and mm. and the latest ones in 1993. Yeah. Uh, it's a time for um, a lot of the readers, uh, most of the readers, especially readers in the kind of Airdrie area, will be able to kind of really visually visualise some of the scenes and, and landmarks that they that's mentioned in the book, won't they? Mm. I mean, I grew up in Airdrie, sort of in, uh, from, I think, from about age nine to age about 17. And in that period of time, kind of the early 80s, um, actually through the decade of the 80s, Airdrie was thriving. It was in a, a heyday period. It, there was a fair day. There was a queen. You know, there was a parade. Um, the the shops were brilliant. Um, for a teenager, the shops were fantastic. I would go up the street every Saturday with money from my paper round. I would go and put some put, put a little bit of the money in the Halifax. I would then go up the street to, to John Lewis to see what records they had. I would go to Woolworths, which was like a cavern of brilliance, you know, yeah. sweets, music, toys, everything you you know, everything you could possibly want <laughs> And then, you know, you would walk a little bit further up and you get the smell of Antonia's chippy drifting across. Um and then up and nip up into WH Smith to see what records they had. I'd spend my money on the, the records. I'd then go up to, to Zambonini's at the Top Cross and get a deep fried pineapple ring or a banana, <laughs> which was 22 pence. And I remember so vividly all the colours, all the flavours, all the smells of the, the street, which I didn't realise at the time. Obviously, you're not taking this stuff in at the time, but sort of later in life, decades later, you become more as as you get older. You become more nostalgic for times of when you were yeah. younger, and particularly times uh, are most evocative in your teenage years when you are beginning to form 
opinions, your opinions on music, your opinions on food, your opinion, your opinions on politics, your opinions on culture, and figuring out the different things that you like. And I, I Adrian had, I first of all had a fantastic childhood, thanks to my mum and dad, and you know my brother and two sisters. Adrian had a profound effect on me as as yeah. a small town and. Although it was a town kind of, you know, um, outside Glasgow and the the outskirts, it had its own scene. It had its own bands, had its own really good pubs. And I think now, um, although a lot of the businesses that are mentioned in the book and a lot of the locations are still there, it's it's not the place it was, sadly. Um, But as, as happens with a lot of small towns all over the UK, they just don't get the investment. Uh, that yeah. they need. And I think like what one of the things you talk about like we'll worst the other things like that like as a, the younger generation won't understand the greatness that of somewhere like Woolworths where you can go on and uh, I remember going and getting like cassette like sort of, of singles of cassettes yeah. and and then getting like a pick and mix from the next aisle along and things like that sort of stuff and that that just that's something that probably don't happen and it's maybe something actually like the next the next generation will will miss out on a little bit because. Because we've got those memories of going picking up a, a, a record or a cassette or something like that from these places where you, you don't get the same thing from Spotify whenever the new the new song goes out. It's not quite the same, I don't think. Yeah, as, and they're still excited, I think, but but it's a different sort of excitement. They yeah. don't go they don't go shopping, and shopping was a bit, even if you had no money, shopping was exciting. It was like yeah. what of the shops, you know, Lloyd Cole's got a new album out or whatever. I'm gonna go and look at it. I'm gonna go and open it. I'm gonna go and touch it. I'm gonna pick it up. I'm gonna read all the lyrics and read all the inlays, read who the producer was, read 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 everything about it, open the unfold the card inside the, the cassette and see if I wanna, you know, get it. And then it was it was like a big investment. It was a big emotional investment in it, you know, then buying music or culture or magazines and I remember standing reading all the music magazines and reading them cover to cover before I decided if were were my favourites in there and was I going to buy that and what percentage yeah. was my favourite in this one that weren't in that one <laughs> so it was it was it was a t- it was a lot of time invested in your choices and a lot of consideration then which I think kids I, I'm not to diss the kids you know they're all great yeah. but uh, they're not going to as you say they're not going to experience that yeah, and, and that artwork thing is, is something that's probably distributed a little bit as well, because obviously they don't, they, like, albums still come out with kind of play, like covers on things like Spotify, but they, but it's not it's not quite the same as having it and being able to say, like, and open it up. And I, one, one in particular, without wanting to kind of like totally sidetrack from the from the point, <laughs> I remember whenever Radiohead brought one out and I, and I found a secret booklet behind the CD like, inlay. Oh. And things like that. I was like, "What?" That totally blew my mind about if I kind of a hidden booklet behind the the, the CD holder and things like that. And I, and I just said that that's that's one of the great things of of that kind of like kind of the arts and culture uh, industry that these things, these little kind of hidden things can be kind of like discovered out of yeah. kind of pure chance and yeah. and kind of enjoyed. Now, as you mentioned, you, you did grow up in in the Airdrie area um, as yeah. a kid. Was, was that make the, the Airdrie then kind of an obvious choice for the location of your story when you started writing it, or, or was it, or was that something you just always wanted to kind of centre it around Airdrie or or something? Yeah, I mean, I di- I didn't want to centre it around Airdrie. I didn't even think about it when I when I was writing the the character. I thought, well, he's got to live somewhere. The family has to be rooted somewhere. 
So mm. I, uh, my initial idea was to actually invent a Scottish town. So I looked at Airdrie and tried to rearrange the letters. And that's what came up with Ridry, which is another place. And I was like, no, yeah, no, 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 it's not going to work. And I sort of played around with, you know, Scott Bridge or you know, something <laughs> like that. I'd kind of, kind of put it, to root it there. Because although it is, as I say, you know, deeply rooted in Scottishness, um, it is also completely applicable to any small town in like Newcastle or the, you know, not any, anywhere that you kind of grew up that's working class. So yeah. I, think, I actually didn't know what to do with it. And then I thought, why why don't I just put it in Airdrie? Because then if I put it in Airdrie, I can put all those things that I just talked about into it as well. Yeah. The, smell, the smell of the chips, the dripping vinegar out of the rolling light bodies, the walk up through Central Park. I can put all those things that I remember so vividly into the locations. And, you know, the Co- Airdrie, Coatbridge, Snobbery, uh, I can put in as well. Um, so... Um, I, I, to answer your question, I didn't uh, want to put it in Airdrie, but in the end, as it's as it started to kind of flow, and Frank and Jackie started to walk around, and Frank's going to certain shops, Jackie's a different generation, so she's going to other shops, and yeah. she's taking her daughter, you know, to the shops that she likes, and uh, it it became more centralised around the town. And in fact, someone just put a review on Amazon saying, "I really want to go to Airdrie now." <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! So you, you've you've literally made us a tourist destination. Fantastic. Yeah, it's like oh, I would like to know. I would like to visit some of these places. <laughs> they're not there anymore. I'm sorry, but oh, that's yeah. fantastic. That the the life and soul series has literally made uh, Airdrie a tourist destination. Fantastic, all of that. Um, the, the, one of the characters in the book, Jackie, um, he, he, she's the daughter of uh, Frank and June at the start of uh, at the start of the book, and getting involved. She, at the start of the book, she gets involved with let's kind of say he's not the very nicest of guys, um, and gets into quite a difficult situation with him. Um, and uh, I felt, but I actually kind of felt that that was quite a bit of a, a kind of turning point in the, the whole story for. For pretty much everyone and and the all the main characters in the story, isn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely a kind of circle of life thing when you're busy thinking about or you're busy being sad about something that's happened to you because Frank in the beginning of it loses his wife and she comes back to, to, to visit him. That's why it's life. It's life as in the working class life, the rooted in energy, the true yeah. uh, beautiful mundane, but it's also soul. Because June, his wife, uh, who's passed away, is still around him. And sort of as, as, as a writer, I wanted to walk the line between maybe she's a ghost or maybe Frank is just missing her. As we do when we're, we're grieving, there's a lot of truth in um, grief that people find ways to cope. And when they're, yeah. you know, they, they reach to hear the voice of the person they've lost. So they do have conversations or they say things like, Oh, I could just hear him there or, you know, I could just see him sitting there or a robin landed in the garden and I'm sure I was visited by him or a white feather just landed on my yeah. knee. I know they're listening, you know, <laughs> or you walk into a shop and, and their song is playing and, and you want to feel uh, ways of still keeping that person close, even though you're in deep, deep sadness. And that's what's happening to Frank at the beginning of, of the, the trilogy. And mm. then this, this, little miracle uh comes along um we might as well spoiler alert um <laughs> uh, jackie gets involved with kind of a bad boy in town tommy yeah. 
uh, she she gets pregnant, which was also kind of a, some quite emotional parts in the book where where Jackie's telling her dad Frank that she's pregnant because it's it's the mid eighties. And it was still very much frowned upon, um, you know, to be a, a single mum. Very, very difficult. Very huge amount of embarrassment, shame. You know, the the priest is is, is watching. You know, and might visit yeah. your house. And so um, this little miracle comes along, which Jackie decides to name after her mum, little girl, and that, in a way, begins to transform the life of Frank. He's still thinking about June, he's still grieving June, but he has this other June now to focus on because Jackie's going yeah. back to work, she's got to keep bringing the money in. So Frank is left uh, to look after the baby and of course he has zero, uh, virtually zero experience <laughs> of even looking after himself because he's a man of that generation who was cooked for and who women yeah. liked to cook for, uh, hence the neighbour Mrs Morrison drops him off casseroles and stuff like that. Because yeah. they feel sorry for him, you know, yeah. <laughs> he would not be tolerated in this day and age. But there's something about that generation of men that you feel that they need to be a little bit looked after. And so Jackie looks after her dad and, you know, uh, uh, cooks for him, even though she's a terrible cook as well. Um, Mrs. Morrison wants to kind of, you know, um, fuss around him as as the neighbour, as the, as the, you know, the widow on his own, on, on the widower on his own. Yeah. And, um yeah, so when the when the baby comes along, Frank has to learn quite quickly, has a job to do, and he has to figure out how he's gonna muddle through it and what he's gonna do. And it's it's it, the connection I think then is formed between Frank, who is the baby's kind of father figure, even though he's he's her yeah. grand, which then travels through the books. Their connections is really, really my favourite in in the trilogy, um, especially in the most recent book. Because in the middle book, Jackie, you see them, she, the, uh, June is three, and you see how he's interacting with a three-year-old. And yeah. now in the latest book, she's seven. And you can see all their history together and how close they are and the conversations that they have and how how sweet he is for her, to her, and how much she adores him. So it's history beginning to repeat itself where Jackie is at work in the hospital sort of this is Jackie's relationship growing up with her dad. He's now having again with June, which is helping him to grieve his wife. Yeah. There's a lovely scene in, in, the, in the second book about when uh, Frank and, and June go to the fairground and they want to fish <laughs> at, the, at, the, at the, the fairground. And then there's a, they, put the, they, they kind of start to talk about what they're going to name the fish. And some yeah. some of the suggestions are fantastic. <laughs> I really loved that part of the book. And, and it, was a, it was a lovely uh, kind of moment between uh, June, uh, the, the granddaughter, and, and Frank as well. Was, 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 that, that kind of relationship was such a, a great one to have in there. And yeah. now, I wanted to ask you one one thing in particular, though, about... Um, there's there's a a name that crops up in the first book that yeah. that becomes this this significant moment in the first book and it's Patricia which I happen to notice was also your middle name as well so um is is that moment linked to an ode to whoever it is that you received that name for as in, in your middle name or is, or is it just the kind of random that you decided to put in, in the book some some of the names are random. Well, all the names I wanted to be typical. I didn't want fancy names. I wanted basic names of that time. But Patricia, uh, yes, is my middle name. And I was named after my mum, who's called Patricia. She's Pat. And um, I just thought it's a good it's a good name of that time. 
there are a lot yeah. of pa pats around you know there are a lot of kind of sandras jackies barbaras um i'm naming all my pals now from, you know, <laughs> <laughs> from school but um uh sharon's you know there's a lot of that th those types of 80s names and i thought well the names have to i can't really have a you know a, a, a samantha or, or something in there you know or a or a kaylee or um or an Amy, because those names yeah. were, were related. They were not evocative of that era. Um, yeah. so, but my mum uh, definitely uh, sticks her beak into this, you know, has there's a, there's a new, um, as the relationship between Frank and Mrs. Morrison develops um, th throughout the three books, as she's Mrs. Morrison as the neighbour, and we find out a little bit more ha about her in, in this, uh, you know, recent book as well. She's got a son, who lives in Linlithgow, who she never sees. And, you know, she's lonely as well. There's always a yeah. kind of story behind the story with, with the characters. And so she's always in their living room. She's always in their, you know, at their house. And she's a, a stalwart friend to, to Frank and an absolute rock for Jackie with the babysitting and the cooking. And, the, you know, the way she helps the family is beautiful. Um, but there's a, a scene in the next book where, which was directly lifted from a conversation that I heard uh, between my mum and dad, which was um, because my dad wears a hearing aid and he doesn't put it in all the time because he can't be bothered to put it to his ear or whatever, or it gives him loads of other noises that he doesn't want. And yeah. actually, sometimes it's quite nice for him to leave it out because then he can be sort of selective and, you know, what he hears. Yeah. So she, she said to him, and she's constantly repeating herself, my mum, so that he hears her. So, so, are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and and she said something like one day, like, did you hear me coming in? And he was like, I've not got the hearing aid. I've not got the hearing aid in. And she goes, where is it? And he goes, it's in the drawer. And she goes, <laughs> well, great. The drawer will have heard me coming in then. The drawer's got <laughs> the, the best hearing in the house. It was so funny that the way there is a constant kind of, and again, it's it's a, a small town vocabulary. I think that yeah. people are rib on each other when they love each other. It's only tiny little bits of ribbing, but it's 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 a spark that you know that friction that keeps the the conversation really um, interesting and fun and a, and a form of love, really. Yeah. Um, so I just thought, yeah, Patricia is definitely um, they, they, my mum and dad both are heavily influenced. Uh, a lot of the dialogue um and some was directly stolen from them yeah. but they i also have a ton of external influences for for all the rest of the characters so that they're in a way nothing like my mum and dad at the same time yeah that's all it's nice that you've got that little kind of link there in the, in the story to your mum i think that's a nice <laughs> sweet thing to discover now, the second book um it's called Jackie, um, which is Frank and June's daughter. And uh, the mostly kind of focus a little bit from Frank in the first book to, to the daughter in the second book. And she starts to kind of get to grips with life as a single mum. And and while looking at the past, the mum, she discovers there's a bit of a family secret, isn't there? Mm. And to, to find out. Yeah, the mum that she thought she knew was kind of too two mums she found out she finds out that her mum was a, a kind of a club singer and that she had a proper manager and, and this guy Eddie O'Donnell um <coughs> who uh you know was kind of her bouncer manager sort of thing and there was a secret going around the town that um something was going on between them and and Jackie kind of 
it's believed that there is, but Jackie goes in to investigate whether there was or wasn't. Um, and in in that investigation, she finds out a lot more about her mum's alcoholism, because her mum's an alcoholic, that's how she died. And in finding that out, and in also in her grief, she tries to find ways of, of how similar she is, you know, or was to her mum. Are they kind of alike? What's this side of her mum that she didn't know? Um, you know, she she tries out heavy drinking. Um, she tries out sort of various different ways to sort of, in a way, to connect back to her mum and understand her behaviour. She talks a lot to her good friend Viv about, you know, what is an alcoholic? Uh, uh, ironically, as they're both sitting getting drunk, uh, pouring wine into, you know, like, so, oh, no, 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 you know. And, um, you know, I've had conversations like that um, at parties and things like that as well. Because um, there's obviously a binge drinking culture, I think, um, in, well, it's in all small towns and particularly, yeah. you know, exacerbated that, that during lockdown. And, you know, when people have got nothing to do, they drink. And uh, it's it's also the, the very centre of every social um, event that is had, uh, every social event that I've ever been to, every Scottish event, every wedding, every funeral, every birthday, every party, every nightclub, everything. And the very centre of it is alcohol and how drunk yeah. you're going to get, how many you're going to have, um, you know, how wasted you were, the stories, a lot of stories that are told later, reflecting back on I was totally wasted that night or whatever. So it's a currency and um it's it's a big part of the book as a yeah. as a as a, a social currency and um you know when is it too much or when is it enough sort of is is within jackie as well she's a yeah. really interesting character i really enjoyed writing her um story because it's five years after her mum has died and she's still people think that enough time has passed that you can stop grieving but but jackie's grieving yeah. in, in her way and actually right after her mum died she got pregnant and uh, that distracted her so sometimes you're left carrying something that you never really properly address until yeah. until years later and then you think I I've got to deal with this and and that's sort of what she's doing also the pace of that book changes I don't know if you notice that the pace in Frank when it's centered around Frank's life it's quite slow it's a lot of space and mm -hmm. it's calm it's comforting it's you know, slow, he's sitting in his chair, he's got his cup of tea on the ring of it, everything, the pace is very kind of down. And yeah. then when it switches to Jackie's book, um, it's more pacey, you know, she's at the sh she's at the shows, it's more kind of, she's busy, she's a nurse, she's frantic, she's anxious, she's, um, she's having a lot of fun, she's having a really good laugh, but everything is like, move, 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 need to get the Wayne ready, I need to get off to work, I need to get, you know, yeah. Here we're doing that. I need clothes are you know a big part of her book as well. Clothes and makeup and the Avon you know that her friend Viv works for is also yeah. part of it. Uh, her currency as well because she's still a young woman in her twenties, so she's still trying to enjoy her her time um, yeah. as well as being a mom. Yeah, I think she she is a, a great character and. And for me, I was really pleased in the first book in particular for where, uh, with the kind of strength of character that she shows a little bit when she becomes a mum and is, is making some quite good choices, life choices at that point um, for, for for herself and, and for her daughter and, and ultimately for Frank as well. 
Um, and I think that I, I kind of felt it was as if she really kind of helped kind of revive Frank a little bit at that point in the story, and, and kind of whenever they kind of everything happens and they kind of start working, like kind of like working together as a, as a yeah. kind of family unit, doesn't it? It kind of helps to revive him a little bit. Yeah, she isn't. She's just. She's. There is a point in her life where she realised she she has to rise to the challenge. And that no one else is going to do it. And that is where you see a kind of strong matriarchal figure emerge, character emerge in the book, as with there's so many strong women um, who keep things going, they keep things ticking, but they're working frantically, you know, to... uh, It's not just things like keeping the house clean, running the hoover around, doing the cooking, doing the shopping. It's all that other stuff. Plus she's working, plus she's raising a child. And she inevitably, these mums of that time were yeah. like that the absolute powerhouses you know of just yeah. get just getting on with it just getting on with it don't expect help from anybody else just power through it and i've got stuff to do and i'm getting it done and don't get in my way and don't step in that floor because i've just mopped it and don't you know <laughs> sort of get the amount that they were able to do um in the course of a day was unreal whereas again now to compare to the time now it'd be like well i'm not doing everything you know yeah. you, you can clean the bathroom you the husband can clean the bathroom now you know i can't be expected to do to do everything and yeah. it's about sort of starts to tap into the job act that the the you know the female does in the role of the house at the time yeah yeah and well the, i think that's it's, it's it's a great character that you and like you say and it really kind of highlights that kind of um again kind of character that probably weren't quite recognizable for a lot of the readers um at that point and and that kind of time period that, that the books are set as well uh, with the new book um it's called june um and there's two characters that that could be kind of named after the first obviously the first two books are frank and jackie are named after the two main characters there june could be named after two different characters it could be the yeah. the granddaughter or it could be the the um frank's white wife uh, june so uh, is it named after either one of them in particular uh, or or is it kind of covering both of them a little bit it's definitely covering both um they're both in the next book it's I said the central sort of storyline is around the granddaughter. Uh, that she she finds out something. She finds out a bit more about her dad, and she's like, it confuses her a little bit because she's seven, and and seven is the age where children begin to understand. But they they begin to navigate their moral compass. They go, well, that is what is right. That is what is wrong. That is what is good behavior. That is what is bad behavior. If I behave badly, there will be consequences. If I behave good, I might get sweeties. Yeah. You know, there's a sort of good path on the back. So yeah. she's kind of there in her life. And, um, you know, her, her Tommy, her dad, is actually in prison, spoiler alert. And she's and her mum tells her. And um, so she's like, whoa, my dad, you know, I, I yeah. also at the same time learning this t- topic at school, nature versus nurture, nature and nurture sort of. You know, what are your combination of both? Let's look at our family trees. Let's look at how we were raised. Let's look at our cultural community. And she's learning all this at school. And she's combining the two things in her head and trying to make sense of it, of which Frank um, is there to help her navigate that. And Jackie, too. Um, Then there's June. So June um, is present in both the, the, the grandmother, is the deceased grandmother is present yeah. 
Frank and again in Jackie. So Jackie has in the second book, Jackie has these incredible vivid dreams about her mum. Uh, yeah. so vivid that she she wakes up and thinks I'm sure my mum was sitting on my bed last night I'm absolutely yeah. certain that she, that she was there I could see her so vividly her hair was curled I know that skip she was wearing I know that blouse she was wearing and sometimes if you know if I don't know if you've ever been in a very deep sleep and you felt a, a weight against you and you're kind of in that doze and you're half dreaming half awake and you begin to believe that yeah. maybe somebody did come to see you and so so june is present in that sort of um avenue through jackie and now she's a get she's back again in june um this time she is appearing to father cleary who is a, a, a priest um who's frank's best friend and a priest in the community a, a you know a real central figure a driving figure a leader in the community and he has um he becomes unwell um but there's a hint a sort of a, um a visit back to the first book where June is sitting on Father Cleary thinks he sees June sitting on Frank's couch. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, uh, yeah. So and then he's and Frank goes to talk to him and he and he explains to Frank that he that he was actually visited but he believed he was visited by his granny um, yeah. after she died. So in this third book, Father Cleary starts to see June, but we are not sure if it's because he is unwell. He's becoming mm-hmm. forgetful. He's sort of he's kind of beginning to forget who who certain people are and how they what happened last week and um, you know he's in his late seventies and June becomes a part of that in this uh, story. Frank then is like so Father Cleary then tells Frank that he thinks June is visiting him and he thinks he has a gift and he doesn't like it and he doesn't want this gift and it's scaring yeah. him and da da da. And Frank's like a little bit envious, like, well, how come she's visiting you? And she's, you know, what? why isn't she coming back to me? But yeah. it's good to draw us back to the end of the first book. Um, yeah. Where you kind of have to decide if she's really there at all, or is it just pulling strength of, you know, heavy, heavy grief uh, that yeah. people experience. I'm really glad that to hear that actually that's something that comes back into the book a little bit because 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 that scene in the first book where where Father Clay does kind of think that he saw her kind of thing I did kind of think what happened there like what, what why why so it's, it's good to know that that that, that kind of kind of comes back a little bit later on in the story whenever you kind of catch up with the last book so that's good to know. Um, where can the readers um, that of this series so far now um, can I expect the new book to take them? What, where, can, where can they expect to kind of be taken with the, the storylines so far? Without kind of really, really any kind of two major spoilers for it. Mm. Um, they can expect a conclusion for every character. So every character that was in the first and second book has their own thread. Um, so uh, J- Jackie has her thread with, uh, you know, the guy that she meets in the second book, Jean-Paul, who's the, the Frenchman. He has a thread. He's actually Father Cleary's nephew. They have a thread together. Frank has his thread mostly with uh, granddaughter June and his thread with Father Cleary. Mrs. Morrison, you get a little bit of her backstory. Um, uh, Daniel, who is a character in the first book, who becomes bigger is Jackie's friend in the second book. Yeah. We find out a bit about him in the first book. He's well, I won't tell you, but he's, he has a, a really interesting arc um, yeah. that pertains to the time of the eighties yeah. and nineties, um, with a lot of difficulties. 
and um, Viv, Jackie's friend, uh, she we see what happens between her happens to her as well. So everyone comes to the come, follows their arc, and everything comes to fruition and conclusion at the end. Um, so I'm hoping that it's going to be a satisfying. Um, read, read, but the publisher's already been on saying, oh, you're not finished, you're not finished, it happens to... Da, 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 da. <laughs> oh, God. Fantastic, that's really good to, to hear the vote, there's kind of, kind of cleared up everyone a little bit. Daniel, actually, whenever you mentioned Daniel there, I, I felt really sorry for Daniel in the first book with, with that that first meeting that he has with Tommy, it really yeah. <laughs> it's such an unfortunate first meeting with him, we won't kind of go into it too much detail because it's so for anyone who's not read it, but, but it yeah. was such an unfortunate little, uh, can, he didn't, he, he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time I think a little bit yeah. when it comes to meeting with Tommy unfortunately. Definitely and also the, 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 the comedy that's in that was when I was writing that scene that whole kind of scene in the in the workman's uh at, with the interaction between tommy and daniel the stuff behind the scenes i was yeah. actually cracking up because viv's mum and dad nipping behind the bar to help themselves while the bar yeah. and just the sort of banter there that was going on even though it was a serious scene with a serious undertone you know but there was other stuff like viv you yeah. know you see a bit of her character and you know how she she then jumps into the fight and so it's it's, it's uh, kind of really great to write that yeah i did kind of fall in love with Phil's parents a little bit in that scene <laughs> simply because of the the, the, the mayhem that's bring coming on running about them and the two of them are just like let's just get a free drink from the bar while the barman's distracted yeah it's fantastic she's like, yeah she's like that get me a good gin uh, <laughs> get me a good gin yeah yeah and then surprise. he comes out he's like i was just looking for a pen for the police i wasn't uh, you know <laughs> yeah fantastic so it's, it's, a, it's a great scene for David. Now, um, with the final part now, um, where does that leave you with your writing points? Obviously, you've just kind of told us that your publisher wants a little bit more from you. Yeah. Um, can we expect more books from, from this series? Or, or do you think it's, or is it kind of done for you? Or is there a new series of books that are formulated in your head, anything like that, given your, in the future? There is some, something formulating, and it would be a companion book. So it wouldn't be a book... It would be one of the characters. It's kind of an experiment for me. It's going to be a different sort. It's the same sort of writing, but it will be in a different place. The kind, the working title for it is Everything is Red in the Next Place. So it is about taking one of the characters and seeing what happens to them after they die. Um, I don't know mm. if it's... Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's going to work, but I've spent so much time in these first three books talking about the uh, referencing the other world. I just yeah. wanted to, as a writer, allow myself the freedom to go and see what happens in the other world. Mm. It might not might not suit me. Um, it might fall, you know, or it might be the next bestseller. <laughs> Who knows? We'll, we'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Julie, thank you for coming along and talking to us about the Life and Soul series. It's um, it's a fantastic set of books for anyone who hasn't read them so far. They definitely should do. And you can watch out for the new book um, as well, which has just came out as well. So um, it's it's a great series to get and, and, and kind of check out, especially if you're kind of from the North Lancashire area in particular, because it is, kind of, I think most people kind of around about this area, I think will definitely kind of resonate a little bit with what's some of the kind of characters, the, the the locations and and just the kind of the dialogue and things like that sort of stuff like you mentioned so thank you for coming along and telling us all about it thanks very much for having me chris it was a pleasure
So there you go, guys. Thank you for listening to our interview with Julie, um, the author of the Life and Soul series, Julie Hamill. And thank you, Julie, as well, for coming along and talking to us on our podcast. It was great to catch up with you and to hear all about the books and the, the background behind some of the characters and things like that sort of stuff as well. If you haven't read the books so far, you can get a hold of them in our libraries and you can catch up with the story. And it, like I say, it is set in Airdrie, so it does have a local edge to it as well. And it is definitely a good read for anyone who wants to catch that. Soon it will be Book Week Scotland and we have got some fantastic events coming up. So do watch out for our advertisements on social media and stuff like that for that. It will be a great little week of celebration of all things books, writing and reading. And you can get involved at your local library as well. So do check out the listings that we've got for that and find out if there's any events that catch your eye and you want to come along to it. You'll find out all all the information for that on our website at culturenl.co.uk and you can check out the Book Week Scotland list there. So that's a little bit of an exciting thing that's coming up soon for us to get involved in if you do fancy it. And it's always great to see some of the library members coming along and meeting some of the authors in our libraries that have coming along to those events. So do come along and check them out. That's all for me for now, guys. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the podcast. If you have, do leave us some feedback using hashtag FLB podcast on Twitter or uh, on X, I should call it these days, and or leave us uh, an email at librarypodcast.com at northland.gov.uk but that's all for now guys i hope you've enjoyed it and do watch out for the next bees books edition of the podcast coming out very soon bye guys